0: Hey, Cypress Bible
1: Church, Uh, we are getting ready for our 2022 Go Conference. And the theme of the conference this year is going to be Made to Multiply. Um, The vision for this really starts with the heart of our Father. In the very beginning, he told Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply, to fill the earth with his glory. And so our mission today is is to do the same, to to fill the earth with the glory of God. And so made to multiply uh, means many things to us, And, and these are just a few examples. I would like to see every follower of Jesus become a disciple who goes to the nations
2: and makes disciples.
3: I want you to be as excited as I am about knowing how to share Jesus, knowing the tools and and the way that we start a conversation and that me being excited about that would make you
0: excited and you would catch the vision. It made to multiply Cypress Bible Church that you would come and join us locally to go out and do a, and be challenged to get out of your comfort zone and go and make disciples here in Cypress, Texas.
3: Church family and the Go Conference made to multiply. You'll have an opportunity to get reacquainted with the missionaries that we support. Some new ones that maybe you have not met. You have an opportunity to see the many volunteers to cast vision and their strategy for go local, go short, short-term mission trips that are so catalytic. And then have a round table on Friday with missionaries to talk about their challenges in the field, have a chance to pray for them. All that's on Saturday come in addition we have on Sunday uh, the churchwide lunch for the missionaries there'll be a chance to, to register online and we so look forward to for you coming catch the vision
0: hey cyber Bible Church uh, we are getting ready for our hey good morning
2: I think yeah yeah let's let's have a good morning how about Good morning, Cypress Father. Would you stand together with us? Would you get your
4: hands together? Let's worship the Lord. Sing about the victory we have in Christ. Sing us out. I heard an old, old story How a Savior came from
2: glory How He gave
4: His life on Calvary To save a wretch like me
2: this morning we come to worship the lord the scripture says therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in christ jesus because the law of the spirit of life in christ jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death let's celebrate that and sing about the victory i heard about a dwelling he has built for me
4: in glory and I heard about the streets of gold beyond the crystal sea, about the angels singing and the old redemption story,
2: and some sweet day I'll sing up there the song
4: of victory.
2: To the left and the right, greet those around you and welcome them to worship this morning.
1: to make some new friends and to visit, uh, revisit those we know. So go ahead and have a seat after you've finished greeting each other. I'm Brian Carroll, executive pastor. My privilege to welcome you this morning. Uh, at Cypress Bible Church, we say, beginning where you are, becoming more like Jesus. We're glad that you're part of that journey. If you're new with us, we encourage you to join us in, in that journey. Uh, if you're also new on your pews, you'll see there's a little QR code. You can take a picture of that, give you an opportunity, to give us feedback on how we can best serve, get to know you as well. Um, at Cypress Bible Church, we focus on really uh, four primary things, gathering for worship. We're doing that this morning, growing through community groups, opportunities you can find out about that in the foyer. Uh, Also, go uh, to take the good news of Jesus to others. There's an opportunity this coming Saturday. Uh, If you are interested in doing that, uh, go out to the foyer and to your left in the back. There's a go booth, and they'll tell you we do community outreach the second Saturday of every month, and that's this coming Saturday. And finally is to serve. Uh, God's given us gifts and abilities that we get to use to serve others. And so we invite you to be part of that journey with us. Uh, We have a couple of things coming up. Uh, This Saturday is the... uh, Uh, The Fellowship of the Swing, that's for singles, couples, anyone. It's a Valentine's Day event. You can pick up information at the Welcome Center. Also, filled with love, had to postpone because of inclement weather, so they are now rescheduled for February 17th. That is a women's ministry event, and if you want to know more about that, you can go do that at the Welcome Center as well. Uh, We are in the middle of the process of getting to know uh, Caleb and Deanna Dragna, even though we know many of us know them because they've been part of our church for quite some time. Uh, But we're in the middle of that process. Uh, Caleb uh, has been uh, recommended to become the director of our student ministries. Uh, If this all goes through, elders ultimately have to make that decision and extend a call, then he would start probably around April 1st, is kind of the intent. And so Caleb and Deanna are down here front this morning, but they will be, (laughs) yeah, you can welcome them. They will also be out in the foyer after the services, both services today, back out there. Why don't you guys go on back to the window area so people can find you back there? If you want to meet them or you want to interact with them or want to ask questions, uh, you're welcome to do that. Uh, Let me just uh, join us in praying together as we continue our time of worship. Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the privilege of coming to worship you. And this morning, Lord, as we talk about the whole issue of why do we continue to struggle with sin, Lord, the reality is we are sinful beings and that is a lifelong struggle. But Lord, we know that you want to meet us in the midst of that struggle. And so today, Lord, uh, we just pray that you'd give us openness to understand what your word has to say about that. We also pray that you will receive our worship. and We pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen.
2: Thank you, Pastor Brian. Church, we've come today to worship a God who is a gracious and loving God, a God who brings redemption and salvation and who is a forgiving God, and somebody that we can trust. And we taught you a song last week called See a Victory, and it's a song of faith that says, in the battle, in the middle of it, maybe when I don't see the ending, I wanna see a victory. And singing this song in faith, and I love the bridge of this song, I just wanna draw your attention to it. It says, you take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it to good. If you remember the story of Joseph in scripture, things that just seem to be against, And to take you out, God can take those very same things and turn them on the head and flip the script, as we have said, and He can make something beautiful out of them. So as you are worshiping this morning, I wanna invite you to focus your attention on a God who can change your story. Maybe your story's not going so well right now. Hey, you have a God who deeply cares exactly about where you are and can take the bad, the hard, and turn it to good for his glory. Let me invite you to stand together and let's continue to learn this song and worship with that in mind. song. So would you sing strong with her Jesus paid it all. Lift your voice.
4: I hear the Savior say Thy strength indeed is small Child of weakness watch and pray Find in me thine all in all Jesus
2: now indeed
4: for now indeed I find thy power
2: Thank you. Yes, we can celebrate that Jesus has washed our sin white as snow. And Lord, we are so grateful that you have come to rescue us. Thank you so much that you are so gracious to us. You see us where we are. There is no condemnation in those who are in Jesus Christ. We live in your grace. We live in your love. And we worship you. It's in your powerful and strong and forgiving in freeing name we pray. Amen. You can be seated.
3: Good morning. Start off saying kuai le which is Happy New Year, Happy Lunar New Year. All right? Everyone speaks Chinese at our church all of a sudden. So it was the summer of 1994. I was about to begin my sophomore year at Cypher High School. Bobcat fight never dies. And I went with a group of students from the student ministry at West Houston Chinese Church to Astroworld. Now for those who don't know what Astroworld is, it is a theme park that used to exist near the Astrodome. Now it is just a lot, which is really sad. But what I remember specifically, which is hilarious because I hadn't thought about that till prepping for this sermon, is uh, I remember that day going there and hanging out with my friend Mindy Wong uh, because we both were scared of roller coasters. Yes, I actually messaged her the other day telling her I was going to name drop her and tell the world that she was scared of roller coasters, and she said, it's okay, I still am. And I said, well, I'm not anymore, but I'm old and get dizzy when I ride them, so I don't. And so in that place, when we would go around and play carnival games instead of riding rides, I blew all my money for the day to win a Duke t-shirt that I probably could have paid five bucks for in Chinatown. But the real reason why we were at Astroworld was for a concert. Not just any concert, but the concert of the summer, DC Talk, Jesus Freak Tour, the album had not come out yet. We went to go see our boys perform. Now, the reason why I love DC Talk, they were very influential in my spiritual formation as a teenager in the 90s. And so for those that are 90s kids, you're gonna have fun as we reminisce on our music today. But DC Talk, they wanted to create Christian music for a new generation, which was my generation Because growing up when my father became a believer in the 80s, when he played Christian music, he would play Vineyard Praise or Maranatha Worship, which was great. But it just really wasn't my style as a 15-year-old. But DC Talk was right up my alley because they took creative lyricism and they took rock instruments and they made worship music. They literally made worship music. The title of the album was Jesus Freak. And this song was talking about being a sold out follower of Jesus Christ. Michael Tate shared in a sermonette during their concert that, hey, if you want to be a Jesus Freak, you can do it. You just have to do it. And so that really struck a chord with me. But even more so than that song, there are two songs on the album that are my favorite. The first one is In the Light. And the second song is What If I Stumble. And I love these two songs um, because, again, they were very key to the development of my theology as a student and are still very applicable today in my walk with the Lord and even in the manner that I disciple other people. So I'm going to take you on a journey with me through these two songs as we navigate the text of 1 John 1 five through 2.2 2, because we're going to see how living a Christian life in the midst of ups and downs We will struggle with sin, but we can also continue to pursue living a life like Jesus in the midst of that. So let me pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. Father, as we have gone through this series of tough questions today, we talk about why do I still struggle with sin? Father, we know that we are to pursue you, and therefore we are to turn away from sin. But sometimes we just keep messing up, Lord. And so I pray today that your truth convicts us, convicts me to continue leaning into you and your power to overcome sin, to live a life that honors you. But mostly, may we leave encouraged today, knowing that we have the power to say no because of Jesus and hope in Jesus. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. So if you want to turn your text or your Bibles to First John 1 five, or it'll be on here. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the world. So to give you some background to what's going on here, John is the author of 1 John. That's easily understood. But he's writing a letter to the church at Ephesus, and not just the church at Ephesus, but of surrounding areas as well. And John is wanting the church members to understand the following things in this letter. Number one. The importance of fellowship with God, but also the importance of fellowship with fellow believers. He also wants them to understand that they should live joy filled lives as they live out their faith. He also wants to protect them against the false teachers that were trying to infiltrate the church and teach another gospel. He wants them to live righteously as ambassadors. For Christ, And lastly, he wants to make sure they are all assured of their salvation as they believe in the same saving name of Jesus. And so he begins, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Because when we struggle and we want to address it, The first thing we must always do is go to God first. John opens up this amazing section of biblical text with a focus on God because God must always be the focus in the life of a follower. And so he's saying, let's start with a theological fact. If you've got problems in your life, let's start with God. If you start with God and you know who he is, then in theory, you should know what to do, how to respond to life's struggles. And what's incredible is when we often look at scriptures, we see what God is doing. He's creating. He's healing. But here, John wants to focus on who God is. And what's this message? This message that we're supposed to bring to you is that God is light. And the word that here, the Greek word is haughty. And it's, the significance of that is it's saying that Jesus is literally speaking that word. Jesus spoke those words that God is light. And Jesus gave that message to the apostles And they were tasked to take that message in order to train up disciples who didn't have a direct experience with Jesus himself. This message was a foundational truth upon how you can and should build your faith. This helps build your knowledge in the faith so you can have the wisdom to carry it out in your daily life. And he says that God is light. This is God's character, who he is. Along with being light, these are some of his other attributes, which I just... I got really excited as I was writing these down for this sermon. But he is eternal. There is no beginning and no end. God is immutable. He is unchanging. God is incomparable. There is no one like him. He is just. He is the bringer, the giver, and the definer of justice. He is omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. He is all-powerful. He does whatever he pleases. He doesn't do anything that goes against his nature. He is all knowing, past, present, and future, and he is present everywhere. He is sovereign. He is supreme. His purpose will not be thwarted by anyone. He is truth. He defines truth. He cannot lie. He is incorruptible. He is love. He literally defines love. And in addition to that, he is gracious, he is kind, he is merciful. And he shows that his desire is to know us and to know us personally. And so John focuses here on him being light. Because both Jewish and Hellenistic cultures embrace the concept of light and dark. This metaphor for living out an ethical and moral life. We go back to the creation narrative. We see the first thing God created was light. God isn't a fragment of light. He's not a refraction of light. He is light itself. Like the other attributes, he defines light. And so John then compares God with being light with the opposite, which is darkness. It is literally impossible for there to be any darkness in God because he is holy and pure. Because light and darkness cannot coexist in the same place. And understanding this foundational truth about God is vital for believers in order to live a life in which they were called to as Christians. And so before addressing any struggle with sin ever, let's first recognize God for who he is. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. John gives the first of three if-then statements here about contradictions between a Christian's words and their living a life that is not one that exemplifies a Christian. John is appealing to the readers using logic here because for Christian people that have made a profession of faith in Jesus Christ as Lord, your life should match that profession. And this is a serious statement for those at the church in Ephesus and for those at church here at Cyprus Bible Church. John using the words, if we say, he's pointing out that, again, we talked about false teachers. We had false teachers that were trying to teach this antinomianism. And what that is is a really fancy word for describing Since you've been saved, you can just live as you please. You can just sin and sin away, and it's okay because of God's graciousness. There really is no moral law that we need to follow. Well, if you study the word of God, then you would know that is false. It is unbiblical because Paul writes in Romans 6, 1 and 2, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning that grace may abound? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? As a believer, our desires should be the same as that of God for us. If God is light, then we should look to remain in light. If we say we have fellowship with God, but walk in darkness, we are lying. This fellowship here is koinonia, which means to a sharing or a participation with. And John in this moment is not writing or referring to this koinonia about a person's salvation, that if someone walks in darkness, that they have no salvation. Instead, in this moment, this fellowship with God is fractured when there is unconfessed sin. There is tension between you and God that your sinful lifestyle is not pleasing to him. Walking in darkness. The word walk here refers to a lifestyle, the way a person lives their life, literally to walk around. Walk means someone's behavior and conduct. And this word here in the Greek is a present tense word. So whatever is happening, this walk of darkness, is something that is ongoing and habitual. It's sin. What is sin, though? Sin is anything that we say, think, or do that displeases God. These are called sins of commission. But it is also anything that we don't say, don't think, or don't do that would please God. These are sins of omission. John is saying that living in sin is living in sin, no matter how great or how small. I didn't realize that sounded very doctor Seussish. But you cannot walk in light and darkness at the same time. It's impossible. And if you're saying that you're doing both, it is a lie and the truth is not in you. And it's a lie because it doesn't match up with the word of God. This might sound a little harsh. It is harsh. It is a harsh statement because the reality for Christians who want the perks and benefits of God but want to live life their own way, they need to make the choice. Do they want to do it their way or the Lord's way? We can look at the words of the Apostle Paul in Romans 7, 14 through 20 because the Christian life is a struggle. The struggle with sin is a very real struggle. It reads, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want to do, but the very thing I hate. Now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. The very first time I read that years and years ago, I got a headache. And so... I'm going to bring DC Talk's song in the light to you all to help translate. Verse 1, I keep trying to find a life on my own apart from you. I am the king of excuses. I've got one for every selfish thing I do. Tell me what's going on inside of me. I despise my own behavior. This only serves to confirm my suspicions that I'm still a man in need of a savior. I remember taking students some five years ago to Waco to participate in a poverty simulator. We lived homeless for a weekend to understand that lifestyle, that perspective. And Jimmy Dorrell, the founder of Mission Waco, talked to us about the homeless situation, not just in Waco, but in the United States. And he shared a really interesting statement that stuck with me still today. He said that no child wants to grow up and be homeless, but things happen and they get stuck. And I couldn't help but think that's, that's kind of like us as Christians. No one upon their conversion says, I wanna be the worst Christian possible. I hope I am an epic failure at being a follower of Jesus because there's excitement, but something happens. Sin happens, which leads to discouragement and derailment. So what can I do? Well, John says, here's your answer. If you're struggling with sin, but if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. And so the chorus to in the light. If y'all want to sing along, y'all can. I'm not going to sing, though. I want to be in the light as you are in the light. I want to shine like the stars in the heavens. Huh? Oh, Lord, be my light and be my salvation, because all I want to be is in the light. All I want is to be in the light. Walk in the light. Walk in the light of God. Not living sinfully is more than just behavior modification. And I believe that's why so often we have struggles and failures when we struggle with sin. Because our perspective is, if I can just stop doing that thing, then I can live for God well which is a true statement. The sin is getting in the way of our walk, but we need to stop focusing on ourselves and focusing on our efforts. We need to focus on God and his light. I was taught growing up a lot of times as a Christian that just make sure whatever you do, just don't sin. Okay, and so my faith was motivated by not sinning, which was really fear-driven, which is not what our Christian faith is about at all. And because of that, I ended up focusing just on the external actions of my faith, and I never really dealt with the internal conflict. Again, living the Christian life is so much more than behavior modification. It is delighting in the Lord, as in Psalm 37.4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. It is abiding in Christ. John 15, four and five, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you. Unless you abide in me, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit for apart from me, you can do nothing. It is about your very soul looking to God for pleasure. Walking in the light gives us this imagery of living in a sphere of light. One that is filled with the truth and the holiness of God. One commentator suggested the phrase, it's where we walk, not how we walk. Let me clarify that for you. Where we walk in this sphere of God, that's where his light radiates and shines and it influences us because he's light. So therefore we can see what we are doing. We can see where we are going and we are able to see what we're doing, whether it is right or wrong. Because when you're walking in darkness, you can't see it all. It's like in the mornings when I get ready to go train at the gym, I pray that I don't stub my toe or trip on my dog as I'm navigating the room in the dark because I can't see anything. We need to remember the words of Psalm 119, 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. For any Amy Grant fans out there, or I guess David first. But walking in the light means we can have fellowship with one another. Some say that this is referring to fellowship with God. Some say that this is referring to fellowship with other believers. And I say it's both. Because if you are walking in the light, you are automatically having fellowship with God. Therefore, we are talking about our relationship with other believers. An authentic and real fellowship. Because when you're not walking in the light and you're around believers, whether it's at church, a retreat, any type of event... It's kind of weird and awkward, right? And number one, because the Holy Spirit is trying to convict you to let you know that you are not pleasing the Lord. You're hostile because your relationship with God is fractured at the moment. Maybe you're closed off because you're embarrassed or feel unworthy. Or maybe you're just faking it because you're living a lie and you're just plain Christian at the moment. But this is why John writes next about the cleansing blood of jesus christ john's intent on writing about christ's shed blood on the cross in this moment is not focused on the salvation purpose of Jesus' death on the cross the word tells us that the blood jesus shed because he was the only perfect and holy sacrifice cleanses us upon our confession and recognition of jesus as lord and jesus saves us from the condemnation and penalty of sin which is hell The minute that we confess Jesus as Lord, we are cleansed and made righteous in God's eyes. And now we can walk in the light with God. So for someone that doesn't believe in Jesus as Lord, it is impossible to walk in the light. An unbeliever can only walk in darkness because there is no light in them. The only hope to walk in the light is to cry out to Jesus. You are my only hope. Jesus, save me. But in this moment in First John, he's writing about the cleansing blood. He is focused on Christians having a cleared conscience upon their confession of their sin to the Lord, upon their admission of their missing the mark in a manner of humility. John is addressing for the believers to understand that there must be a consistent manner of confession and repentance in the believer's life. Because unconfessed sin will always affect the relationship negatively that the person has with God and other believers. And in verse 8, John gives a second if-then statement. This statement this time is a, a more serious one, a little more dangerous. If we say we have no sin, which is a warning against the belief of perfectionism, which says that we are incapable of sinning upon our conversion because we are made perfect at that moment. Well, we know the scriptures tell us otherwise. The scriptures tell us that we are not made perfect until glory. We are made acceptable to God upon conversion. And this heresy of perfectionism then justifies committing any sin you desire because you have deceived yourself thinking that you are perfect. And we must remember that there are sins we commit daily even without knowing. Sins of omission. And we deceive ourselves and you are lying to yourself if you think that you are perfect. And because of this, you feel no conviction in your sin. Therefore, the truth is not in you. The truth is not in us. The word or God does not have a grasp on us. Our hearts and our minds. Therefore, study, study, and study the word of God. And live, live, live out the word of God. We must understand that the word of God in our lives must be more than just knowledge, but there must be a wisdom of applying it to our lives. Wisdom and understanding. The word of God, as we read earlier, clearly states that we will have struggles with sin until we are made perfect and in the presence of God in eternity. Therefore, we will battle the flesh and strive after Jesus daily. Which leads us to verse 2 of In the Light. This disease of self runs through my blood. It's a cancer fatal to my soul. Every attempt on my behalf has failed to bring this sickness under control. Tell me what's going on inside of me. What's going on? I despise my own behavior. This only serves to confirm my suspicions that I'm still a man in need of a Savior. What can we do if we're struggling in sin? We Go to verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. I love verse 9. This verse gives the comfort that it is never too late to turn away from your sin. That God is ready and willing to take you back whenever you want to confess. Let me be very clear here, though, that we must always use this verse in the context of 1 John because if we don't, It can easily be mistaken as just sin and confess, sin and confess, rinse, wash, and repeat without truly striving for righteous living, which again is antinomianism. But if we confess... If we humbly confess, if we put our pride aside and just say, I'm sorry, Lord. The Greek word for confess is homologeo, And it means to speak the very same thing. And so with that being said, we are agreeing with God on what he says about our sinfulness. We are telling God that our way isn't working. We need to do things his way. We are taking responsibility for our own actions. And because God is faithful... Remember his love for us is steadfast. He is dependable and he's unwavering. Remember that God is just. He is righteous. He is not partial. He will not hold your sin against you if you confess. He will be quick to forgive and cleanse you from all unrighteousness because God desires restored relationships with his followers. God wants reconciliation with his children. Forgiveness. I want to emphasize the the graciousness of God in this forgiveness. We spoke earlier about positional forgiveness, which is when we confess that we believe that Jesus is Lord, that we believe only he can reconcile us to God, that we believe his death for the sins of the world could have only been his death because he's perfect and he is holy, but he also resurrected because he is Lord and that redeems us from the destruction of hell. We cross over from death into life and we are no longer our old self. 2 Corinthians five seventeen says that we are a new creation, a totally new being, and we can live freely for God. We can testify to the goodness of God in our lives. We can celebrate the graciousness of God with our lives. And upon death one day, we can celebrate God and worship him eternally in the most perfect place, heaven. And familial forgiveness, the one where we right the wrongs in confession and repentance where one family member forgives a loved one. This is one in which confession, admittance of fault and sin restores the broken relationship with God from a fellowship standpoint. We look at the Lord's prayer in Matthew six twelve Lord, forgive our debts. C.I. Schofield, the theologian, said that sin interrupts the fellowship but cannot change the relationship. Then we have our last if-then statement in verse 10 the most serious one given of all. You would think that verse 9 would have been a perfect place to end this passage, but John had one more reminder, one more warning to them because he understands the struggle with sin is very real. He's saying if we have not sinned, if we deny our own sin and saying we aren't doing sinful things, we're saying that our sin is not actually sin. This is when we try to justify our own sin. Then we have lived in darkness for so long that we can't tell the difference anymore. Maybe we don't care that we're living in darkness anymore. Well, with that, then you are making God a liar. Our actions make God a liar. And God can't be a liar because he's God. He's perfect and holy. He is light. This means that we make God look like a liar because our walking doesn't line up with his word. And so it looks like his word is not in us because we have rejected his word and we don't care about his word. We have rejected the authority of his word because we're doing whatever we want. Lots of true and false statements that John gives in these five, five verses here. And so we're gonna have a pop quiz right now. This is some interaction. Allows me to catch my breath. Whoops. I just gave y'all the first answer. There's that's called grace. God is light. True. Excellent. All right. <laughs> We can have fellowship with God while we walk in darkness. If you want fellowship with God, you must walk in the light. Good job. We are perfect. Great students. We have not sinned. Excellent. All right, here's a really tough one. If we want to restore broken fellowship with the Lord, we must confess and repent. All right. Gold stars for everyone. Congratulations. That is called knowledge. Now what you do with it after we leave church today will be called application. But we continue in chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. My little children. He uses a term of endearment, a familial term, technon, my little born ones, because they are dear to him. And this is why he's writing this letter, because he cares deeply for them. He's saying, I write to you to warn you. I write to you to remind you. I write to you because I love you. Don't sin. Don't do life your way. Do it God's way. Don't go and look to do stuff that's going to get you in trouble. Avoid the dangers of sin. Believe right and live right. But when you do sin, remember that you have an advocate in Jesus. One who gets called to the side of another to help. No matter what you do, no matter the sin, Jesus is in your corner and he doesn't abandon you in your sin. He is there to defend you and to plead on your behalf to God. Which is why I love the lyrics to What If I Stumble. In verse 2 and the chorus says, Father, please forgive me, for I cannot compose. The fear that lives within me or the rate at which it grows. If struggle has a purpose on the narrow road you've carved, why do I dread my trespasses will leave a deadly scar? Did they see the fear in my eyes? Are they so revealing? This time I cannot disguise all the doubt I'm feeling. What if I stumble? What if I fall? What if I lose my step and I make fools of us all? Will the love continue when my walk becomes a crawl? What if I stumble and what if I fall? And to me, these lyrics are of someone trying to walk in the light, someone that is looking to confess and repent, but they feel guilt and shame because of what they have done. And, and God saying, I don't hold that against you. There is no shame in Jesus Christ because God is merciful and God is gracious. Therefore, God is the ultimate comforter. And how do you know that Jesus has your back as an advocate? Let me remind you, Jesus is the propitiation, the only one, this is a fancy word for redemption or satisfaction, that Jesus was the only one whose death on the cross could appease God's wrath for sin because of his sinless and perfect life. Jesus was the only one whose death on the cross could reconcile us to God, to allow us to have a relationship with God. And because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, he is the only way to God. Not just for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. Jesus' death was enough to appease God for the sins of the whole world. This doesn't mean that everyone's going to heaven. This doesn't confirm the heresy of universalism. But what it is, is John reminding the readers that eternal life is a free gift. That only Jesus can give this gift. The person only need to respond and believe that Jesus is Lord that only the death of Jesus could satisfy the wrath of God. The focus on Jesus here will serve as a daily reminder on why we can live as Christ has commanded his followers to live. So why do I still struggle with sin? I have to ask myself two questions. Literally, I ask this myself, and we should all do the very same thing. Have I forgotten the light Do I remember the light? Do I remember who God is? Do I remember that he's Yahweh, the I am who is near me in my struggles? Do I remember that he is the Yahweh Rapha, the one who heals me from my sin? Do I remember that he's the Yahweh Nisi, the one who has given me victory over my sin? Do I remember that he is Jehovah Jireh, the one who provides a way for all my needs and an escape from sin when it tempts me? Have I forgotten who God is? Have I forgotten the light? And then lastly, am I walking in the light? Are you praying deeply and earnestly to God? Talk to him. Tell him your struggles because he wants to know them. And as you pray, know that Jesus is praying alongside you as an advocate. Confess and repent. Because God is ready for you to come back. Jane Ortland in the book Gentle and Lowly says that even the sins that would make you cringe most make him, God, hug hardest. Study the word deeply. The way you study to learn a subject, that is the way we should study the word of God. And we find delight in that. Tim Keller says that if Jesus didn't think he could handle life without knowing the scripture inside and out, what makes you think you can? Fellowship. Be in as much fellowship as possible with other believers. Whether it's here on Sunday, whether it's in small groups, whether it's on mission trips, be connected to other believers for comfort, for correction, for love, for accountability and encouragement. And then remember to sing these words. Oh Lord, be my light and be my salvation because all I want is to be in the light. All I want is to be in the light. So now is the time in which we take communion as a church family. We do this to remember what Jesus did for us on the cross. And so I want to encourage you this morning, if you want to walk in the light again, you can do that today. You can begin right now as we prepare to take communion as a church family ask the God who is light to examine your heart and reveal any ways in which you may be walking in darkness or tempted by darkness. Remember that Jesus, the righteous, advocates for you. In 1 Corinthians, Paul writes about the seriousness of taking communion, to take it with a clear conscience in order to please the Lord, to remember the work of Christ on the cross. And so as you hold the elements in your hand, I encourage you to pray out to God. Talk to God right now. Confess whatever is on your heart because he is listening. And then we will take it together in a little. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Let us remember together. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your graciousness, that you are ready and willing to take us back We only need to confess and repent. Father, I pray for all of us here, that we will choose to strive to live, to walk in the light. But even more so, Lord, that when we do fall short, when we do miss the mark, we remember your love and the hope of you. Father, remember that there is no shame being called your child, because you are the best father ever. And so, Lord, I pray for myself and the church family here today, Lord. May we choose to walk in the light every day of our lives. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen.
2: Thank you, Pastor Chang. Such a beautiful reminder. This is what the Lord's Supper is, to remind us of what Jesus has done for us, that he shed his blood and the blood covers us, makes us clean and whole and free. We wanna respond to that message in song now. So would you stand together and let's worship the Lord and think about the gratefulness that we have in our hearts for the blood that He shed for us on the cross.
4: Grace, how can
2: family, we have a very special way to end our service today. I want to invite you to be seated for just a moment and invite one of our elders, Bob Machetta, to come up and do a special commissioning that we have today.
0: If the elders and search team could uh, step forward, please, for the commissioning service. Let's get the elders in the back and the search team in front, please. Okay, let me, let me, open, let me uh, pray for a search team. Uh, Lord God, I thank you for each member of this search team and the gifts that you have given them. I thank you for their commitment, for the responsibility they accepted to be guided by you to identify candidates who can serve as our next lead pastor. I ask for strength and wisdom for Jose Navarez as he leads this team. I pray that each team member can utilize their skills and gifts to the fullest, that they listen to each other with respect and grace. I pray that they review the key information and you point them to the right people. I ask that they be leaded by the Holy Spirit and supported by the the prayer of our entire congregation. I ask this in the name of your son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.
2: Thank you. So church family, we are so grateful that you've come to worship with us today. And thank you for coming and supporting this team as they are going out to be commissioned to do a great work here. The scripture says, those who have been forgiven much, forgive much. All of us have been forgiven much. So go and be those that forgive and love the world. Have a great day.